Hello and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with Chris. Hey. TJ. Hey. And Al. Hello. Special guest. Special guest Al. Uh, I know Al typically means that we're going to be talking about Survivor for six hours, but that's not going to be the case today. Five. On my watch list, I I watched all of Survivor. All of it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 30 pages of notes. Um, Yeah, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching and... Uh, we're going to follow that up with a rundown of some news, and then we'll tell you what to go see at the movie theater this weekend. Uh, anybody wanting to go first? TJ I'll go first. I'm, TJ? Pretty, I'm pretty short on this. I finished, uh... You're tall. You're very tall. I'm, I am the second tallest person in the room. That's all I watched. <laughs> Just, y'all seen that? I'm the second, second. tallest person in the room. <laughs> I wasn't a fan. Fuck you. <laughs> um. uh, yeah, so I finally got around to having time to focus because it's not like a bedtime watch, which is how I watch most of my like TV shows, and just kind of stop it in the middle of an episode if I need to and start back up whenever, but I finished uh, season two of the OA. Nice. Um, it's really good. It's fucking wild. I mean, it's just bonkers. <laughs> Have you seen the first season now? No. Y'all two have seen the first season, yes. correct? Brett? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's uh it's crazier. What I mean it kinda it kinda has to be. Like how do you make a yeah, follow up season to that show and when, not make not escalate? Yeah, they also jump dimensions. Yeah. So that's in play now. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you have to know that by knowing the way the first season ended about knowing there's a season two. Right. That they have to go somewhere else. Yeah. So uh, that's good. The kid actors are really good in the season. Better than they were in the first season. The the five, the four kids. And, yeah. Uh, Phil Screen. Phil Screen. Phil Screen is magnificent. But it used to be a super fun story. And they Phil said, Smith? Uh, oh, yeah. Smith, yeah. Okay. Phil is from The Office, for those yeah. who don't know who we're talking. Yeah. Her real name is also Phyllis. Yes. As are, that's everybody in accounting, pretty much. On The Office. <laughs> the, their real name is their character name. Their first name. Correct? Yes. Not Except for Toby. Kevin. Brian, he's Brian. Brian Bumgarner? Bumgarner. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Toby is someone else. He's yeah. not He's not Toby Flenderson, because that's an unfortunate name to be named. Yeah. Paul. Angela's real first name is Angela. Uh, Oscar's real first name is Oscar. Creed Bratton is Creed Bratton. <laughs> Playing himself in the office. Creed Bratton. A fictional Bratton. version of himself. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the office anymore. Um... <laughs> But, I don't know why you took that from me. Anyway, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, Bree Starling just does ridiculous shit yeah. with her storytelling. They said they have five seasons ready, written. Yeah, I heard that bef- like wow. before the first season. They were like, "We've got like, we've got hundreds of pages written for this show." Yeah, and then Netflix is apparently in there. They just won't like. If- I remember a Netflix exec after the first season came out said, "We don't care if no one watches this. We love what she makes." Yeah, and her and her writing partner just do crazy shit. I want to see their movies. I haven't seen any of them, mm-hmm. but they're apparently just as wild. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I definitely recommend it. But it is a sit down and watch it. Yeah, so I rewatched a couple episodes. You said it's crazier than the first. Is it better or equal or a little worse? Than the first season? Just as good, but I mean, only in the way that you compare things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's so bonkers that it's hard to be, like, bad or good as long as they tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I, I recommend it. It's just it's got to be up your alley in the like sci-fi, fantasy, mystery realm. That has to be your thing. Yeah, it's super shoegazy. Yeah. Uh, I watched a couple of Netflix originals, though, as well. I watched uh, the rom-com Always Be My Maybe. Um, it's the, I guess, like, Asian, uh, not any specific nationality over there. But um, rom-com, the Netflix put out this year. Yeah, they, uh, Ali Wong. Wong. Yeah. yeah. And that guy who's Randall in Park, everything. Randall Park, yes. Yeah. Who also was in The Office. <laughs> He's fake Jim. <laughs> yeah. My favorite role that he was in was in that one gum commercial where he goes, nobody pays me in gum. That was also him. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Veet, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah like a recurring he, character in He Veep. was, like, running against her, right? Yeah. And, like, every recurring character in Veep, Veep was, like, hitting home runs, you know? Yeah. So he right. was hitting home runs along with everybody else. <clears throat> and, uh, is he in Fresh Off the Boat? I don't know. Yeah, he's with, the lead. He's the lead. Okay. In Fresh yeah. Off the Boat. Which is apparently fantastic. Yeah. Um, our old friend, Cat who is, uh, her parents are, she's first generation Korean American. Yeah. Her parents are from Korea and they loved it. She said it was fantastic. Awesome. Um, but anyway. The thing you did watch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gave it three stars. It's your standard rom-com fare. You know what I mean? It's got a fantastic 20 minute segment where Keanu Reeves plays a fictional version of himself and it had Cassandra like almost in tears. Nice. Which is rare. Um, well, I know the the trailer for it produced the uh, Keanu gif that everyone loved of him just like, uh, yeah, vamping for the camera. Yeah, yeah. I love I love hearing you struggle how to. How do I translate what I just did physically <laughs> to for audio listeners? Yes, yeah. you saw me. You saw the gears slowly. Yeah. <laughs> to give you an idea of the the Keanu Reeves that Keanu Reeves plays. Uh, when you first meet him, she says, hey, like, I missed your butt. And he goes, I missed your spirit. It's like, yes, it's that Keanu Reeves. I feel like it's not that fictionalized. No. Yeah, maybe. But he definitely does some cool shit where he's just like, they're playing like truth and error, essentially. And there's one scene where he's just like, uh, Marcus, I dare you to hit me. Hit me. Strike me. That's what he says. I dare you to strike me. And he punches him. He's like, I dare you to break that vase over your head. He's just like, this vase? No problem. He just like breaks his vase <laughs> over his head. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a fun watch. It's an hour and a half light watch. She plays a uh, like world famous uh, TV chef. Yeah. And he plays a struggling like indie rock musician in San Francisco. It's also set in San Francisco, so it's like what we talk about with cheating. The series yeah. all pretty. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. Plenty of painted ladies in the background. Yes, they live on they live on that street. Yeah, and his dad's a plumber. Yeah, that's, that's all you need to do apparently to I, afford one of those multi million dollars. I just like casually dropping Learn League answers into uh, the podcast. Yeah, so the podcast is advertised on Learn League, so yeah, maybe somebody will listen and get it. So that someone experiences some like crazy Bader Meinhof phenomenon, and they're like, "Why the fuck are they talking about Havel and Velvet Revolutionaries?" Yeah, I guess unless they found us on the Learn League website, right. then they'll, they'll know exactly yeah. why. Um, That's my coffee, cat. We've become an animal party, and I love it. Yeah, there's seven living things in this room right now. And, um, one, and one dead thing. It's up to you to solve this riddle, podcast listeners. <laughs> it's a murder mystery. I was actually hoping you guys would talk about your experience with Gloomhaven, since the three of you are here, as a thing you did. 
Yeah, we can. I don't have anything else to say about Always Be My Baby. They played Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey over the end credits, so they fucked that up. And uh, <laughs> does, does, yeah. does Randall Park shout the word maybe when they say baby in the song? <laughs> he does or have a voiceover. So his band, is a, <laughs> his band is a uh, like indie rock, but he raps. Okay. He's a lead singer. Okay. And he's got a, one song. They're all pretty bad, but yeah. he made me laugh once when he was like... Uh, and we're going to bounce back like a basketball. We're going to bounce back like a tennis ball. And he says a couple more balls, and then he says, we're going to bounce back, back like pretty much any ball, except that American football. <laughs> I thought that was really, really dumb and funny. Um, but yeah, after that, we can talk about Gloomhaven for a minute. I mean, it kind of fits. It's kind of like a story. <laughs> Didn't we do very early on, did we do a board game episode? Some Someone, someone has talked about a board game in a watch list. Okay, I feel like I feel like we've we've laid enough ground to talk about a board game. Yeah. So anyway, it's the it's the Brent bought about a year ago now, maybe close to a year ago. Yeah. The uh, number one rated board game on BoardGameGeek.com, which is, if you're into games, is a uh, incredible website um, and a great place to go if you're looking to buy a new game. They yeah. have a constant a top one hundred that's constantly updated, and Gloomhaven's been a number one for a long time. Oh, it's that, that list just keeps helping us out. It's always good recommendations. Yeah, this crew has probably like all the top ten, except for like the. Uh, I don't think any of us own the train game. Ticket to Ride. Yeah. No, I want to get it. It it seems like a lot of fun. I've watched the uh, Will Wheaton and crew do a a uh, board game yeah. YouTube series, and they just like that's what I used for a while just for to sati- satiate my board game hunger. Have you played Ticket to Ride? No. No. Yeah. Oh, it's a very... I've played it... A friend of Alex has a copy, and we've played it once. And I would describe it as an extremely easy mechanic to figure out. It's... uh, I mean, you learn learn the game in five minutes or less. And it's a very pleasant play. You can just sort of play the game while you talk with people about other things. It's not a very intense play. Oh, okay, cool. You you, you play insularly almost. Like, you are building your own train tracks, and you can interrupt other people, and you can... Yeah. uh, And so, there is some defense you can play. That's Um, how you win the game, from what I've read and watched. Yeah. If you're you're setting up to win, you just stop everybody else from winning. Yeah, you you be a dick, and you just like, I'm going to build a track from here to here, just to, like, fuck other people. Yeah. But, uh, it's fun. I liked it the one time I played but Gloomhaven's a dungeon crawler. Um, <laughs> the game you guys actually play. Yeah, we can. We're we never going to let TJ talk about that a lot. <laughs> we, do do, we do do that a lot. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a dungeon crawler that's a it's a, a one and done play. Um, but that one will take you a few years. It's going to take us a while. Yeah. I now, mean, granted, if you're you have the option of uh, you could you could buy a copy of the game. If you have, you know, you, you could just play it by yourself and blow through the whole game much faster. But if you play as a group with friends, it's hard to find the time to. We've probably put in lot. about twelve hours of actual play, like not counting breaks and setup and breakdown. And we've completed three scenarios out of what? I'd say probably a hundred. Yeah, eighty something over a hundred. So. I think. And, and by completed, you don't mean succeeded in. We succeeded in two. We lost in one, and. Um. Yeah, I also the twelve hours is a little bit skewed because that first one took us yeah, six was, hours because we didn't know what the fuck was we were doing. Curve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But last night we blew through two and probably about six hours of actual play. 
So, not that bad. And that was two scenarios that we, we tried to squeeze into one night. I wouldn't so. say the learning curve is daunting if somebody wants to play it, though. Like, the rule book's pretty thin for, like, how massive, like, how overwhelming, like, the box looks and how much mm. stuff is in it. But once you get it down, you're pretty much... take. You just have to take the time and learn it. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know... And then I think important, too, is keeping up with the play. Like, we try to get something on the schedule once a month where two or three or four of us can get in and play a dungeon just so we don't forget you know what i mean some of the shit we've learned the scenarios are uh the dungeons are really well written uh they're kind of written like i guess D style i don't know i don't have a lot of experience yeah D D style without a dm who is like omnipotent. not omniscient, omniscient. <laughs> yeah well, i guess they would be on omnipotent a dm because they can you know defy dice rolls but that's beside the point right um but just they, telling you tj you're smart you use the right word <laughs> The uh, like Brent DMs for us in Gloomhaven, but he's he's an active player who mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, with a little ignoring of what he could look at, can be surprised by what's coming. Yeah, I mean, there's no NPC control, Correct. and there's no random events that are dictated by another person. That's all like scripted. Nobody's out to try to get you except for what the monsters can yeah. do. And and the monsters follow really simple logic. They move to the closest person and they attack the closest person. If they have an AOE, they attack the most amount of people. It can get a little complicated, but yeah, there's also a flowchart on Board Game Geek that somebody made that the creator of the game approved for Monster Focus. So, and I will say the two scenarios we ran last night were like not totally different, but completely di- like different in in mechanics to where you're not going to get bored. You're not going to be. It, we weren't bored. One was com- not completely unlike the other, but one was more of a puzzle, and the other one was more of a timed battle scenario. So Yeah, I was really interested to hear that, that one of the dungeons you guys went into was did have a puzzle mechanic. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, I was, you know, with 108 scenarios, there might as well be one if they're all just like, you go into a room, there's four bad guys, fight right. the bad guys. Like, then, like, what's the point? Yeah, the, the fact it made me wonder, like, what all else might be on the table down the road. Right. Like, how many more interestingly designed. And uh, I read that... Uh, this uh, one dungeon we did last night was a guest-written dungeon. Oh, cool. The guy had a friend write a dungeon. so uh, And it's like one of the most polarizing I could find on Reddit and Board Game Geek. I was up till 4.30 with Al reading about it. And uh, some people love it, some people hate it. But it's, it's definitely more of a puzzle-solver D&D kind of thing than it was a... Uh, Straight, like, hack, like hack Equivalent slash. of like a... Button smasher. Yeah. To me, yeah. the the most fun aspect of Gloomhaven is is forming a party with your friends, and each of you is a single character, and each character has his own goal in life. And once his goal is met, he uh, is going to retire from the world of dungeon crawling. Yeah. And there are probably fifteen future uh, character classes which are unlockable. That we can't play as right now, and that's really cool. Yeah, and uh, I like that aspect. I like the way this feels like a big story, a big yeah. overarching story. But I think it still has room for like role playing. Like we could have, we kind of like light role played it. Yes. I mean, it's not an open sandbox, but it's definitely uh, there's structure to the story. But like you can have role play moments in it, and we. We sort of dabbled in that a little bit with like the choosing, you know, do we do this or do we do that? And we kind of role played what we thought like our characters would do, but you can kind of choose like mm-hmm. how much you want to role play within the structure that you're sort of 
You know. Yeah, it's definitely open for like using voices and right, shit. Right. It's very possible. Oh, I made sure to ask Brent the question when he, since he's reading the scenarios if he used voices and was pleased to find out that he is using voices. Yes. He does, yeah. We also came up with our voices last night for our characters, which we use kind of just to be funny randomly. Yeah. But they're they're pretty funny. I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to out you guys unless you're ready for it, but do you want to share who your characters are? Sure, yeah. My, I mean, if you don't want to, you can hold it back. My class is a tinkerer, which is kind of as cleric as you can get with a okay. starting six classes. Because it's not like a like medieval fantasy. It has medieval fantasy elements, but it's kind of like we're fiction from all over the place. So there's yeah. like yeah. machinery, and there's you know, kind of like the fantasy standard of like everything but guns. So the tinker is a I think it's I don't know how it's pronounced. It's Q A T Y R is his species. Um, Hold on, I'm writing that down. Q A T Y R. Uh, that's Equator. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Equator. I'm from the Equator. <laughs> oh, 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 wait. You're talking about Quators? Yeah. Um, so they're pretty much like uh, little inventors that are really good with machinery, and they're kind of the smartest species on in the world of the game. Yeah. Um, like I think the last thing on my little bio card says like anybody who refuses the help of a Cater is Quator. There's no U, so it's weird. I know. It's not Quatar. <laughs> yeah, but I... But I cut, cutter. Yeah. But I, I plant in my flag, so I'm going to okay. be insistent on it now. Play, Fair enough. I play the country of Cutter. Um, <laughs> it says anybody who refuses the help of a cater is... Quater. Uh, ...is dumb for doing that. Uh, I play a vermling mind thief, which is basically a, a little rat a who can... Four-foot-tall anthropomorphic... Anthropomorphic rat who can... Uh, he basically has two uh, two sides to his gameplay, which is uh, he's a great melee fighter, um, can inflict a lot of damage, and also has very little health because he is just a feeble little rat. He loves gold. Um, he does love gold. <laughs> I love gold. But uh, do your voice. The uh, other um, the other aspect is that he can uh, he has some psychic abilities to uh, get into. Opponents' heads as well as his party members. So you're, you're telling me he's one half vermling, one half mind thief. Yes. Cool. Um, My quater's name, by the way, is Thror High Stepper. All right, good. Lady Thror High Stepper. Yeah, and I'm a Skeever Nix or Skeevy Nix. <laughs> to my friends. <laughs> to my friends. <laughs> what about your. Uh, I play the Brute. It's uh, like. It looks like some sort of alien race that it's called an Inox. Yeah, and, that's right. Um. His name is Grog McNeely. <laughs> um, I, you know, when I first picked it, I was like, oh, you know, we probably need a tank or, like, sure. or, you know, to survive all this stuff. And it's kind of a tank. It's more like a damage dealer. He, like, runs around and basically, like, you don't want to get beat up as him because he's still kind of squishy, but you want to, like... Run in and clobber stuff with like a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Not that he actually uses a baseball bat, but it's like in your head fiction, he has a baseball bat. Right. It's like he's it's really good at like <laughs> finishing moves and getting across the map quickly and being like Rah! and then doing one big smash move. And but if he stops there and then everything starts wailing on him, he's not going to last very long. Okay. Picture like an eight foot tall demonic looking carnivorous alien. That's what that looks like. But, well, that's an Anox. I just picture two people that don't know. I don't, yeah. don't want them to feel left out. Yeah, picture an Anox. Yeah. 
Just like with TJ's, picture a quater and you're good. Just, just, do, yeah. do not picture a cater. <laughs> yeah. Or it's the completely country of Gutter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to sidetrack you guys. No, okay, it's, but I'm just, it's, I, I'm super interested because, you know, it's, 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 it has always seemed to me like a D&D light, like for people who don't have like a best friend who's super imaginative, who wants to spend all the time writing a campaign. Right. It's yeah. like some yeah. guy play tested and wrote like a hundred campaigns yes. and like is yeah. delivering it to your doorstep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <clears throat> pretty great. So, Would highly, recommend. highly recommend Gloomhaven, which is, uh, I believe, it's uh, more affordable now than it used to be. I, th- I think when it first came out, it retailed at one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> I think it's down around one hundred now. I think it's down to about a hundred now for a for a new new set. Well, three people have played for twelve hours. That's the equivalent of like six movies for three people, so eighteen movies. So you're getting close to paying that off instead of you know. Going to the cinema price. Yeah, I mean, in the long run, if yeah. you if you complete if you play through all of Gloomhaven, that probably is more bang for your buck than you can get with almost any other board game. Yeah, yeah. and if you, got, you would get tired of so many other games, if you've got a you know squad that wants to do it, it's twenty five bucks a person. That's fucking nothing for something like this. Yeah, yeah. So highly recommend. Or just find a find a Brantle bat. <laughs> find yourself a breezy. <laughs> find find a, a a patron of the arts. Find yourself a breezy of the arts. Yep. Yeah. TJ, what else do you watch? Uh, I'm gonna say that's it for me. Okay. I got a couple of things, but I don't think they're quite worthy. And I think one of y'all watched them, and I'll take you back with you. Bringing it up anyway. Yeah. Uh, Al, do you have anything you'd like to talk about? Uh, yeah, sure. Um... Well, we can talk about TV I've been watching first. I've cool. been kind of doing some rewatches. Mm-hmm. So I've been rewatching Barry, season one. Gone nice. back and started over again. Just uh, It's so great. And um, uh, Chris and Brenner, high on it. David, too. Yeah. David is, you know, the most important person to recommend that show to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> still, uh, still bitter about that. It's been mm-hmm. even... I mean, yeah. My first time through, I was like, holy crap. And then... And the second time through, I'm like, holy crap, it's it's just as good as it was, if not better, you know. Um, like, Henry Winkler and Stephen Root, they're just, yeah, uh, you know, they're just throwing fastballs loose the whole time. You yeah, know? The, the Fuchs character is so fun in the first season, just as, like, the fixer. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And, like, his, the, the whole thing where he gets kidnapped and is, like, being held in the garage is hilarious. Yeah. And they, yeah. When they bring in the Jessian, like yeah, the, the, the ultimate hitman, right? Who's like right, like in the in the throes of depression. It's <laughs> just uh, yeah, and it's like really yeah, it's it's been great as a rewatch because season two goes, you know, in almost like a different direction, yeah. you know, than how it started out. So it's kind of like it's good to like go back and watch it. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've been watching is uh, rewatch, but from a long time ago is when I first rewatched it, is Arrested Development. I've been watching season one of that, and uh, it has also been fantastic. Uh, of course. I would highly recommend going back and watching that again if you haven't taken it off the shelf in a while. Um, you know what's really good about it, I found out, is just watching and appreciating like how they hit the ground running. You know how most shows it takes like a few episodes to get their legs? Yeah. They knew what they were doing they from the moment. Must have. I don't know if they rehearsed or what, but their timing with each other, just out of the gate. I, maybe it's just Jason Bateman, like pinning it all together, and he's so good. It really makes you appreciate how good he is yeah. as a comic actor. 
Mm-hmm. But um, they just, there's, I mean, it doesn't even feel like a pilot. You know, they're just there. And, yeah. You know, they're just going at like a really good comic timing f- just from the start. You bring up Bateman. I think he's, I think Bateman in, in Arrested Development is one of the all-time great straight men in comedy. Yeah. Because he gets, he gets to be funny as the straight man reacting to all the insanity around him in that show. Yeah. yeah. He's really good. The, the the dead dove do not eat uh, thing that has become like a, you know, an internet meme uh-huh. is like, that's like a perfect example of him like, playing the straight man. Opens up the bag and goes, <clears throat> you know, like, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> uh, um, other than that, I've been... I've been hitting the movie theater. It's summertime, so summer movies are out, and I've been um, hitting the Cineplex. I saw, uh, let's see, recently Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, was it good? For a God, I mean, it's a Godzilla, Godzilla. movie. Like right. I found myself like really enjoying it. You know, it's got a really good cast. Like, yeah. Vera Farmiga, uh, Kyle Chandler, Lee Bobby Brown. Um, what's the guy from, uh, from Thomas Middleditch? Get Out. Uh, Brian Terry Henry. Bradley Whitford is in oh, it. Bradley Whitford. And they're all really good, but really the best part of the movie is when when the kaiju are fighting. Yeah, you know, as in any just, kaiju movie, right? <laughs> yeah. so and hopefully, right. yeah. If and not, like, you up. even though it has this really good cast, I'm like, I just, I'd rather, I'd rather watch them fight than like you guys do the story well they don't call it Godzilla king of acting (laughs) (laughs) sorry it took me a long time to cook that joke up and it wasn't good I feel like that's the only bar that it really does have to pass which is just like was it did it was it ever boring and if the answer is no then it succeeds as a Godzilla movie right the story in those is never going to be what you're going for yeah Yeah. Um, I mean if you're auditing a class and taking it past fail yeah like You've got no shot of making an A-plus movie, but you can definitely get that fucking P. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, it's in the vein of probably everything I'm seeing in the movie theater. It's like, grab a bucket of popcorn and a soda or Slurpee or whatever and sit down and enjoy a popcorn flick. And that's what it was. Um, nice. I saw Dark Phoenix. Oh. Yeah. I, that was at the... I went to the center place saw that, too. So, I got a question for you. We talked a little bit about Dark Phoenix. If you were, it's kind of notorious already for its miserably low uh, yeah, RT game. score. Yeah. Which, I feel like we haven't done this in a while. So, uh, real quick, in case you've gained any listeners, Rotten Tomatoes is just done on a thumbs Pass up. Fell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 11%, I think, is last I looked at Dark Phoenix. Would you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, having to pick one of the two? <sighs> A thumbs up or a thumbs down. I actually might give it a thumbs up. Okay. Nice. Like, I mean, okay, so it may be because of the X-Men movies that have come before it. And it slightly feels like, not necessarily the death rattle of this iteration of X-Men, but I don't know how else to couch it. Right. It's It feels sort of like, okay, this is their last hurrah, you know? And, yeah, and it definitely is. And Wolverine, we know, is... Not in it, you know. Yeah. So there's that missing, but um, you know, it's I I enjoyed like the action sequences and stuff. Like I, of all of the of the X Men movie, I don't think it's the worst one I've seen. So cool, yeah. <laughs> uh, do do they do? So I I felt like even though 
I don't hate Apocalypse the way I think a lot of people do. I did still think that Apocalypse recycled a lot of stuff that they felt they had success in in the previous film. Uh-huh. Do they do? Do they retread some of the same like effects and stunts and stuff from previous movies? Like, do they have a Quicksilver slow mo classic rock scene where they slow everything down and Quicksilver's running around the room? They have Quicksilver scenes, but they not to that full effect. Okay, cool. Yeah, because like I don't know. Not not to criticize the previous movie, Apocalypse, but like, I was worried that that's where it was going to go, is that they were yeah. creating their own tropes and then repeating them. Yeah, this is more of like a team effort and rather than those individual moments. Yeah. Um, you know, do I feel it was like necessary? Not really, but are any like summer movies like really... Right. necessary to make you know like yeah it's like the Godzilla King sense? of Monsters but for X-Men kind of yeah it was like it, the effects were cool when they were doing effects and the acting was passable so then yeah I mean but I'll tell you this Michael freaking Fassbender is in it and he is as great as he is in every movie he's in nice so Oh, there's that. I, He's I, always great. I thought they had nailed the casting of Magneto with Ian McKellen but then when they did Fassbender as young Magneto uh, Fastbender and actually talk to talk about Apocalypse again, specifically when it's like when uh, Magneto Eric I guess goes and lives with like the family out in Russia and starts a new life. Mm. That like small vignette of him trying to like not be Magneto anymore yeah. is fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. I, I would watch a because I know that there was rumors they were going to do an X Men Origins Magneto. Yeah, I would totally watch it if it was Fastbender. Yeah. And I'll say this, like, this is where I'm coming from, like, I have, you know, in the past I periodically would pick up X-Men comics, but I am definitely not someone who knows, like, the canon, like, verbatim, and so maybe this story that they did was, like, not necessarily just the Dark, the the Phoenix, you know, part of it, but the story that they tacked onto that to give it, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, something to do. Right. Um... I don't know, like, if they did that exactly how they were supposed to from the comics, so I didn't go into it with that, you know, like... Baggage. Yeah, or, like, going into it, like, having to judge any of that thing. Was the story they added to it great? Eh, probably not, but, you know, hey. Yeah. Um, um, let's see, the last thing I saw was Toy Story 4. Saw it yesterday in theater. Yeah, it was fun. Awesome. Yeah. So... The, I think the hurdle for Toy Story Four is that the the only minor hurdle that it had, and I'm not saying because I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if this isn't a criticism of the movie in any way. But like Tim Allen's Twitter feed, no. But uh, (laughs) wait, what happened? No, he's just like he has Twitter. (laughs) It's just what if his tweets are just like it's like trying to spell that (laughs) out. (laughs) <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> We've created a solid blue block on <laughs> our recording. Um, but no, like, uh, the movie, I feel like everybody felt like Toy Story 3 wrapped up the trilogy really well. And so, I feel like the, when Toy Story 4 was announced, a lot of people were like, great, cool, we trust you, but also, uh, this is this necessary? Is this movie necessary? And, mm. um, like, it, it kind of had the... The closest a Toy Story movie has come to feeling like a cash grab, but it, 
I've also heard that it justifies its existence pretty well. Yeah. Okay. All those things are 100% true. Like, you go through the thought process of, oh, okay, like, you know, like, this feels like, uh, you know, they're doing a Toy Story thing. Did they really need to? Because, like, the last one pretty much, like, wrapped it up. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, like, they dip their toes in the same sort of pool of, like, what happens to toys once they're, um, you know, the whole question of of Andy, you know, is still there. The relationship of Andy and Woody, it's still omnipresent in this, like, movie and stuff. So, there's that to it all. I'm trying to try not to spoil anything, but dang, it's fun to hang out with those guys. Yeah. Um, and all the new characters that they introduce are, are good. I've, I've heard people love Forky. Forky, Kim Peele are great, Keanu Reeves is in it. Um, what is Keanu video? Reeves not in? There's right. a great YouTube video it's about the year having Reeves. A, a Keanu Reeves moment. How much, uh, what, like, what toy is better if you just make Forky on your own or if you buy the official Pixar right. action figure Forky? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it comes with Tony Hale's voice. I'm all in. Oh, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to push back a little bit on the cash grab thing because I don't think Pixar needs to do that. I just looked them up on Box Office Mojo, and everything they put out makes $280 million. I mean, it's not, it's not like... Inside Out made just as much as Toy Story 3 did. So it's not like they're... You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like making a sequel for them is like cash grab, because they just need to release a movie. Right. And they get the same amount of fucking money. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I guess. I guess it's just my instinct when, like, they... That when a series feels I will say complete. This. Right. I'll say this, but I'm saying that there's something else there because they make movies that are not sequels that make just as much money regularly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. I'll say this, and I don't want to like spoil anyone's thing. I think it's high, I recommend going see in this movie. It is, it is like it hits the like Toy Story like has sort of a floor. You know, yeah. and it is at the floor at least, if not a little bit above it, just as a Toy Story movie. Um, it, I kind of thought to myself, okay, if I could picture like the pitch, it wasn't someone maybe coming and saying, "Oh, I've got this idea for how Toy Story is incomplete, and we need to do this." It maybe felt like, does anyone have an idea for how we can do something in the Toy Story universe? Universe, yeah. That's how it, it came about. Um, maybe I don't know. I'm mean, you know I'm just. And I think that's what I'm more right. suggesting. Yeah, and it's more like maybe we've still got this. We haven't done anything with Toy Story <laughs> in ten years, and it's our biggest hit. You know, well, yeah. not our biggest like necessarily money hit, yeah. but our biggest. I think it's our their most beloved property. Right. Yeah. But damn, well, I was laughing out loud at parts of it, and it is magnificent to watch, and you know. And to see, you know, like that, how detailed and great it is, and how really thought out some shots are, and just you find yourself going, "Oh wow, they did that really well." Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yep. Um, that's about it for me. Is that it? Cool, Chris. Yeah. What you been watching? That's <laughs> right. I wrote my name down just like excitedly. Before you went to Al, and then when you Aww. didn't say my name, I just went <laughs> and I crossed it off. <laughs> Sorry, kind of a, a opening up the kimono a little bit. Uh, so Yikes. we uh, 
<laughs> we are full in on the Defenders properties on Netflix. And so uh, Kelly and I watched the swan song of the Netflix Marvel TV shows and watched Jessica Jones season three. I heard it was good. It is good. Um, and it was, it's, it's exciting that it was good. So many of their shows, like season one was great. Season two was uh, okay to bad. Um, except for Iron Fist, which was bad all the way through. Um, but Jessica Jones was the one where it maintained, I think, the ability to tell a good story. Um, it's, I mean, I think, I think that it's cheating because it's got Kristen Ritter, who I just think is, like, she's incredible. Great. Yeah. Um, both as, like, a, she's a good actor playing a ham, and it works really well because, you know, Jessica Jones is a private eye in modern-day New York. Uh, with like superpowers, and she gets to deliver some like eye rolly lines, but they're supposed to be eye rolly lines. Um, I think at one point someone says like, "Do you have any qu- uh, like what do you need?" And she, she says, "I think the only thing that I need right now is bourbon and more bourbon, like that kind of shit." Sure, she's a comic book character, right, uh, through and through. But third season's really good. It focuses more on her like best friend Trish, um, who. In season two, tried to get powers because she's the stepsister of uh, Jessica Jones, um, and so it's more about her uh, kind of realizing that like the procedure worked, and kind of going through a uh, like coming up to the crossroads of I'm a person with powers. Do I do good for the universe or uh, do I like like how do I use them? And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, the first half of the season kind of drags a little bit, and then they introduce the big bad about, like, episode four, um, and it's this serial killer who is uh, out to kill people who he thinks achieved things through, um, like, kind of, like, ill-gotten gains. So, like, if anyone is too beautiful, then, then you're a target for him. If anyone, like, inherited money, it's like, this guy's got, like, seven different degrees and masters and PhDs, because his whole thing is like like normal people work hard. Hard work is how you get what you deserve. And so then when he when all the supers kind of come out of the closet, uh, he's like, well, fuck those people because they clearly he calls them all cheaters um, because they you know don't have what it takes to they they couldn't do what they do without like this magic cheat code that happened to them. Um, so that's that's really interesting. It's kind of like a brainiac type who like sets all the all the right traps for all the right people. Um, and so watching that struggle with him, kind of like a like a Kevin Spacey thing, where like he doesn't give a shit if he gets caught because he's like planned everything perfectly, um, right? Kind of like out in the open with the person pursuing him. Kevin so, Spacey in seven. Kevin Spacey in seven. Yes, not setting traps for uh, you know sexual, sexual assault. assault victims. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have that distinction now. Yes, sadly we do. Yeah, um, yeah. I was also thinking about seven while you were talking about that. That's just funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's really good. And the the best episodes are the two uh, that focus on uh, Trish Walker, um, who's uh, you know fans of the comic series or of the Marvel universe might have heard of the superhero Hellcat. 
they don't do a full Hellcat story, but Trish Walker is Hellcat. Her okay. alias. They kind of do some of that in Arrow from what I watched. Yeah. Like, uh, this is a superhero that we're never going to see get their powers going. Right. And so she, like, it kind of flirts with that on that line. Doesn't tell, like, the full Hellcat or- origin story. Doesn't really care about it. Um, and I kind of like that, you know, like, we're going to use characters and names in this universe, and then we're going to tell our own story about it. Can I ask a question? Yeah, of course. Why does... Why do you think Iron Fist doesn't work, in your opinion? I don't know. I don't think that it's the actor's fault. I just think that there is an element to the TV show that made it grounded in a way that the movies didn't ever have to be. Because you get to you get to go on a date with a movie, but you marry a TV show. Yeah, you get more time. Yeah. Right. And so when you've got a TV show like Jessica Jones, where she is a private eye, her superpowers are, she's super strong, she's not indestructible, but she's like, uh, she can heal pretty quickly, and she can jump really high. She can't fly, she can jump really high. That's kind of like the joke. Like, can't superheroes fly? And she's like, no, but I can jump, I can jump well. Um, so like those things. And then what she does, she can't like read people's minds or anything. Like Luke Cage is just indestructible. He's nothing else. He's just indestructible. And Daredevil is just like, his senses are heightened because he's blind and then he trained and like knows Kung Fu uh, and like other martial arts. Iron Fist is like supernatural. He can like blast people with chi energy from his mind. And at the end of Iron Fist season two, he can apparently channel chi energy through guns. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, or Chi loves to live. Ancient method. Ancient AK-47 method. And so, because it's supernatural, his origin story is supernatural, he, the Iron Fist is supposed to be the person who guards the gates of Kun Lun, which is this, like, celestial city. And when he's not there, like, people come and find him to attack him from Kun Lun because he's not doing his job, and then people try and kill him because he's the weapon of these people. And so you've got, like, as soon as Iron Fist got introduced, you've got, like, fucking ninjas with special abilities and, like, people make, like, resurrecting, like, dead bodies who've been dormant for thousands of years. And it just gets this, like, strange arc that feels so far away from the rest of the universe of Defenders, where it's like, these are basically people plus, but Iron Fist is, like, superhero minus. And it just doesn't doesn't sit right. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because um, I mean, the original Iron Fist would have been so cool. Not to be that you know pushing up my glasses comic book nerd, but like I would have loved if it was just like here's a guy who knows like a bunch of kung fu and it dropped you in the middle of his story as opposed to trying to tell you the beginning of his story. Yeah. Um, and just kind of his interaction dealing to protect like Rand Industries. Um, you know, I don't mind that. When it comes to, like, the, you, like you said, the pushing up your glasses, the comic book nerd yeah. type thing, I don't mind that kind of reaction when it's, like, when it's, there was a problem with this, and we have an example of what would have been good. What I, what I tend to take issue with is, this wasn't what I am used to. Right. Therefore, it must be bad. Yeah. That's the, that's the wrong way that, like, comic book nerds, or any, any fans of any original properties, really screw up. Yeah. I think, and, and make things worse for everybody, is when there's like, this isn't, well, this isn't how, you know, Luke Skywalker did it in the original novels, you know, that, that came after Star Wars, so yeah. this is wrong, and, right. um... Why you got a black screen? And so, uh, <laughs> you know, 
But no, when 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 there yeah, is, we're not actually recording. This is an intervention. You're a, right. You're right. <laughs> it took us forty minutes to get to this right. point. <laughs> finally got here. But Chris, you know, Chris was a, a willing, you know, like I'm willing for this, you know, new take on an Iron Fist or slightly different take to yeah, if it's good, it's relevant. Um, just be good, but but it just didn't. But it's not good. You should, yeah. have, you should have done the thing. That Literally, works. the only thing that matters is, yeah. is it good, right? That was not. Yeah, I'm 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 constantly presenting for a like nerdy outfit of any kind. Just like put it on TV, put it in a comic book, put it on a movie. Yes. Like I know about that stuff. I don't know it super well. I don't know fucking Iron Fist that well. Right. But like he's a side character in Marvel properties. So, like I've seen him around with his stupid green and yellow jumpsuit. But like. We like the like the Brian Singer X Men movies came out. We have already, as a society, moved past that. Mm-hmm. So when people like look back and they go, "Why was a Wolverine wearing this blue and yellow?" It's like, guys, come on. Yeah, we're never going back to that. More important question: Why do you care? Yeah, stop stop staking your self worth on something that you didn't create, but just something that you saw and you went, "I like that." Which is kind of what I was talking about when I was talking about Dark Phoenix. It was like I yeah. really didn't take any baggage into that movie. You know? Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, the Dark Phoenix saga has been told four like discreet times. Yeah. And so, for this to be one where people, where it comes out and people are like, they didn't do the m crystal right. And it's like, guys, you need to fuck right off with that. <laughs> like, like they, they haven't, they only did that the first time and then they never did it again. And Marvel has been behind each endeavor. So, Marvel is deciding to, to like, write the ship. And, you know, you might just like the first one best. And that's cool. Yep. But, my my uh, my weekly nerd shame uh, is over, and that's all I watch this week. All right. Crazy is not on the streets. He's in the room. I am what in you the got, room. Crazy? And I've watched some things this week. So, well, we're going to talk about some it. I've seen know? some shit. Uh, I'm going to start with a 2012 movie that... Uh, I think if it, if it had come out in 2019, I think this movie would be very... Uh, it would have been worse. 2012 would have been much worse if it came out in 2019. <laughs> oh, that movie? Wait, yeah. He didn't watch 2012. No. I'm not convinced he didn't. <laughs> Chris is Y'all know that he watched the 2012 movie. <laughs> I think 2012 came out in 2009. Yeah, I think it came, it came out. out early. I think it came out in 2012. Uh, I don't know. Well, we should talk about that instead of what I watched. <laughs> <laughs> we never do that. Especially not this... <laughs> This, this, uh, if this movie had come out this year, I feel like people would be really, uh, really tying this movie in with uh, a lot of current events in our nation right now. Um, I watched the 2012 Pixar film Brave. I'd never oh, seen nice. it before. Nice. I really, really liked Brave. Yep, Pixar's yeah. good at movies. Yep. <laughs> um, liked it more than I thought I would. Uh, and realized this movie is just the story of one woman's fight to have autonomy over her own body. Because it is a movie where... Wait, is this the new segment? The <laughs> the, the men it's of... old Dennis Miller thing, like, the light behind Brave goes away. He's just standing in black. He goes yeah. on a rant. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the... You know, it's... it. The movie definitely feels very 2019 in yeah. its messaging. No, I can see that. I saw it when it came out. I yeah. haven't seen it since, but I, I definitely get that vibe. She does not... You know, it's, ref, it's a refreshing animated movie because it's not about her... Like needing to like, there's no prince that she's in love with that she's just like, I want to marry him because I love him. I need him. It's just like they throw three suitors in front of her, and she's just like, no, thank you. Yeah. Period. And it's about her fighting for that. 
Um, she accidentally turns her mom into a bear. There's some good mother-daughter <laughs> shit in there, too. Oopsie doopsie. <laughs> that story is good in a different... Um... It is a very mother-daughter story. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And uh, good music, too. Being mm-hmm. Scottish. That's mm-hmm. fun. It's super rewatchable. I've re-seen, I've seen it like the, six uh, times. The side character, the like Olaf of this movie, is really great in The Brothers. Yeah. Uh, They're adorable. The, the three yeah. triplets, yeah. Uh, but anyway... Highly recommend Brave, if you, especially if you've never seen Brave, and uh, you know the uh, women's rights debates are near and dear to your heart. So I would love to see a politician open a speech about uh, the like the heartbeat bill by referencing the movie Brave, <laughs> the, like Will of the Wisp. It'd just yeah. also be great if TJ was in the audience. <laughs> They're like, "Well, I just watched a 2012 movie." Was it 2012? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, also this week, finished uh, Chernobyl. Oh, cool. Uh, really like Chernobyl. I will start off with the one thing I will say negative, which isn't really negative about Chernobyl, other than just this movie has gotten in the headlines a lot for being the highest rated TV series of all time on yeah. IMDb. Yeah. And I think I think that is tied into the fact that it was just a, a well-told short story that came around the same time as the final season of Game of Thrones. Absolutely. And that it is just that that rating is pure reaction to that. Yeah. Cuz it's like a 9.7 on IMDb, which is fucking insane. It is dumb. Um but it's a good mini series. It is a very good mini series. It's a really good retelling of that story and it's told in a thrilling way. Yeah. Uh, I think the I know a lot of people are talking about the third and the fourth episodes because there are some atrocities that, that they have to, you know, you have to endure that are hard for some people to watch. But I actually think the first and final episodes of the series are the best. I love episode six, or no, episode five is the final one. It's only a five episode series. And uh, episode five is the trial of the people the supposedly responsible for the incident. It's basically the Soviet Union's, uh, they, they, their song and dance to be like, well, it's not the state's fault, so. Right. Yeah, they uh, had some denial for a long time. Yeah. Um, Jared Harris, amazing in that series. I've heard that. Uh, he's really, really good. Uh, you watched it, right, Chris? Nope, Kelly did. Oh, Kelly did, okay. Yeah, we've, we've gotten to the point in our relationship, marriage, whatever you want to call it, where we watch shows not together now. More often than not. It's a big step. It's a big step. <laughs> where, where that jealousy goes away of like, I can't believe you watched it without me. It's just yeah. like, you do you. Like, if you want to watch Chernobyl at work because you are, <laughs> you want to be real sad at work, then fucking go for it. Um, also, mostly thanks to Chris's strong recommendation. Yeah. Last week. You mean David? No, Chris. <laughs> literally, literally, no, Chris no, literally no one else has mentioned the show. I'm ever on to the be. edge of my seat. Black Mirror. Oh. Chris's recommendation is the only one that matters. <laughs> nice. Chris told me to watch Black Mirror. He's the only person who did. I was honestly I was honestly super confused because I was like, I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's right. We're doing this bit. Um, wait, have you not seen Black Mirror? I've seen it. Oh. I've seen episodes here and there. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, TJ gave the new season a pretty glowing review last, uh, last week. So, I... Uh, felt like I should 
finally jump on the Black Mirror train, and I've, I'm into season three now, and I'll just hit the highlights. I think 15 Million Merits is a very good episode. Um, is that what it's called? Yes. Oh, I thought it was called 10 Million Points. Weird. Um, Maybe I'm in Black Mirror. This is my episode. People just change titles of shit. <laughs> it's the lowest We're not impact. recording this intervention. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> well, then I want to... <laughs> Plant another flag. It's Quater and 2012 did come out in 2009. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I was also really impressed with Be Right Back. Uh, That's the Haley Atwell and Donald Gleason episode. Oh, that was sad as shit. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. um, White Bear was great. White Bear is terrifying. It's a a hell of a twist in White Bear. That's the most twist I've seen on a Black Bear episode. I yeah, think. Uh, White have seen, Christmas. Have you seen White Bear? Not yet. Yeah, White Bear, and I kind of don't want to give away too much. I just, no, I'm all about watching them, right? And yeah. so I just, I, I just want to say, like, if you've only got time, these are some you should check out. Yes, and they can be watched individually, even oh. though they do. Uh, I, I, I skipped the season five. The one I will say that it really does pay off to watch everything before, and you can still enjoy it without, but uh, White Christmas, their special... It's a Christmas special. ...has a lot of throwbacks to the six episodes that came before it. Yes. And, uh, but White Christmas is great. It's got John Hamm and... Uh, also terrifying. Rafe Spall. Yeah. And Rafe Spall is fantastic That's in that good. episode. Um... Nosedive is one with Bryce Dallas Howard that's very good. I like that one a lot. It's, a. Uh, it feels more present almost than a lot of other things. Social yeah. media, and they do a really good job with the social media. And the most recent one I watched was uh, San Junipero, which lived up to all the hype. Holy crap! It's a great episode of television. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think San Junipero is even better if you've watched all the Black Mirror that comes before it. Not because it they factor in in any way, but because Black Mirror just pummels you. With is, gloom, yeah, is the happiest episode, and this episode subverts that in a way that I was very happy about. You, it's almost like not tears of joy, but like tears of relief yes. when you get to that, and it's like because it's like even kind of buried in season three. It's like the third episode, I think. What was your uh, like position going into it? Were you like hyped up for it, or were you kind of dreading not like maybe I won't like this? Yeah, I kind of I, I I get that way about anything that like people are like you love. Everybody it. thinks I love it and that is highly rated. That's um, good. You were going into it kind of nervous and you loved it. Uh, yeah, and anyway. I did love it. Awesome. Um, anyway, those are just the highlights, and the San Junipero is the last one I watched. San Junipero again. I think we mentioned it last week. It's consistently on any website that ranks all the Black Mirror episodes number one. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd like to talk about. I'll try to do this quickly. Three new movies that I watched that no one else has mentioned. First, Al and I went to see Men in Black International. Thumbs up or thumbs down? How's me by? Thumbs down. From Brent? Yeah, I would say thumbs down. It was another popcorn flick, and I enjoyed my time at the theater, but... It's not awful. Yeah. It's just not good. It's just kind of a waste of time, and it's it's kind of boring at times. The plot is boring. It's There's a mole inside Men in Black. Is, uh... Hadn't done that before. How's their on-screen chemistry? Their their chemistry is not bad. The two of them. Carries they over just sign from Thor and Avengers. Yeah, they just don't have a lot to do. Their chemistry is fine, but I don't know. I left just being confused about were they supposed to be a thing or not, and like I was just like, wait, I don't understand. That's true. I think the characters as written aren't 
But those two have so much chemistry and so much of that sort of bubbling romantic tension. That kind of happened in the first Men in Black. When you mentioned that, you in that movie not knowing if Will Smith and Linda Fortino are like... Oh, I was going to say Tommy Lee Jones. They definitely had a thing. That will they, won't they? It's like, like wait, are K and J going to fuck or not? <laughs> That's what I was wondering at the end of Men in Black. The whole time, 13-year-old TJ was like, yeah, this is going to happen. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, it was like they had the chemistry to be romantic, but there was no... And I'm not saying they needed to become a romantic pair. In, just make up your mind kind of thing. But, like, it, it's... Why are these two here? Why are these the two actors here? Because they're two of, two of the most beautiful people on the planet. Yeah, that's all. That's <laughs> I mean, all they I will say this. Sell tickets. Chris Hemsworth is, once again, having fun in a movie. Um, He's really good at that. want to do. Uh, but, you know, just... Yeah. I don't know if it really it, it really works. I don't know if it knows what it wanted it's, really it's to a, do. It's a very generic story. Like, hey, I don't know if you've heard this one in Men in Black before, but there's uh, some people from one galaxy or planet trying to attack people from another galaxy or planet, and they're all settling their scores on Earth. Hey! Does it have, does it have the racist bugs? Uh, Worms! Yes. The, the slugs The yeah. slugs make an appearance. Good. Yeah. And Frank is back, right? Frank makes an appearance, too. Yeah. But, uh, Is Tony Shalhoub in it? No, sadly. Could have used some Tony Shalhoub. I'm on a Shalhoub watch right now. Having not watching, not watching Marvelous Miss Maisel. This sounds just, like a really bad like Fox News update. <laughs> Shalhoub watch. Welcome to the Shalhoub watch. <laughs> so the Shalhoub watch this, is a though, hot new tech item. It's not really enough to recommend about it, but the it does have some really great visual effects in it. The not the big bad, but the sub bads in it are oh, yeah. really like arresting the first time you see them, and it's like whoa, that's really cool. Kind of like that movie. Uh, what was it like last year that had the shimmer in it? Where it, Annihilation. Yeah, kind of like some of the effects in Annihilation. That's true. They do look kind of. They do look cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're played by two brothers who are uh, dancers, professional dancers. Oh, and I so, thought it was Todd Gurley. And so, of like, course, <laughs> just him and then, like, a, a clone of it. Right. No, uh, so, so, of course, they have to work in, like, hmm, how can these guys present themselves in this uh, scene? Well, let's have them walk through a dance floor and get into a dance-off. Which made no sense. It made no sense at the time. Whatsoever. Yeah. Literally only makes sense when I read about them. I'm like, oh, they're dancers, I guess. Okay, that makes yeah. some sense. But the uh, the plot was really disappointing just because, like, again, uh, it's weird that I'm the one in this episode getting all political, sort of. But, like, in this day and age, like, Men in Black, the uh, guardians of intergalactic immigrants, there are so many, like, there's so many options there to tell a story that's relevant. <clears throat> um, even you could do it in a lighthearted way, but at least, you know going into that direction would have been something I would have been interested in if you're going to dust off the men in black here in 2019. Right. Yeah. Um, and instead it's just a just a very generic there's a mole. One of the reviews I read said like pretty much like men in black needs Will Smith. <laughs> like it just does. It just needs that like character that you're used to that's charismatic that can own the screen. Right. Because Will Smith is standing in for like you, kind of experiencing it yeah. all for the first time, and he's just got. Well, even he's like like two and three were fine. They're not great movies, but they're entertaining. And Tessa Thompson, like she's good in it, but she doesn't. She, the role's not written that way for her. And yeah. you know Emma Thompson and Liam Neeson are in it, and they're just kind of wasted. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I believe Rafe's ball's in that as well. Yes, he is. All right. Uh, Moving on, though. Don't want to spend too much time on a pretty bland summer action movie. Uh, I watched a new Netflix movie called Murder Mystery with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) Murder. You didn't watch loosely. I watched it. I... (laughs) Definitely chuckled more than I expected to in that movie. Yeah, it it's a solid. It's a okay. Solid might be too strong. It's it is a fine little murder mystery, um, and it avoids titled the, appropriately. Yes, it is. It is <laughs> irritating to talk about it because the description for the movie is the name of the movie, but the uh, and it's it, a mystery, so you don't want to like. Right, but right. it's a, so it's a very simple plot. It's a billionaire gets uh, all his heirs together on a yacht to inform them that he is going to be rewriting his will to uh, give all his money instead to his new, like, 25-year-old wife. And uh, the lights go out, he is killed. And it's just a whodunit. And for some reason, it's never really clear how... I mean, it is clear, but it doesn't make a lot of sense how Adam Sandler, a New York City beat cop, and his wife, Jennifer Aniston, happen to also be in the room. (laughs) On this yacht, on this private yacht, yeah, like it, like they explain how they get there, but it still doesn't make the explanations. Like, I don't know why the they got invited. The explanation is pretty much just like, okay, you're telling me to ignore that, right? Yeah, and I'm cool with that. Okay, yeah. we got to get them there somehow. Yeah, um, they're just like, we know, just follow along. <laughs> and so it's kind of funny because it's like, uh, as they start going through, they're like, they're like. Well, I think obviously it's this one person who did it, and then that person dies like three minutes later in the. Uh, so it's it's one of those types of uh, murder mysteries. Can I tell you something weird? Every time I'm looking at the library on Netflix and I see it, I want to put Alaska at the end of it and it be a sequel. Murder mystery Alaska. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like if it had Alaska at the end, I would watch it. <laughs> well, apparently, thirty million people watched it. Okay. Netflix, in a rare move, came out and they don't often say how many people watched. The first time they'd done it was with Bird Box, yeah. which is yeah. a 2018 movie. So, yeah, they said 30 million people watched this movie, Murder Mystery. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was funnier than it probably had any right to be. But. I'll watch this. I, although, I watched Just Go With It, which got panned, and I thought it was the same. I would give it the same review. It had two, two and a half star. Rom com. It's fine. Yeah. And uh, last thing I want to mention is another 2019 movie. I saw Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. Better or worse than Bora? Better than Bora, yeah. but that's because Bora is actively bad. Yes, this is uh, this movie doesn't quite know what it wants to be. It uh, there you can definitely hear the whispers of some studio people who are just like, "Make it like Walk the Line." I need another Ray, where it's just like it's got the same not bad, old not, not bad movies. To, if you're Goal is to get people like in the theater and like you know four year old women who aren't like cinematic. Yes, they're that make more Ray right. But it, it, man, it hits all those same story beats where it's just like, hey, it's the record producer who hears five great Elton John songs and he's just like, none of these are going to be hits. I need something that people are going to want to sing along with. Right. It's like you can see the notes like yeah. attached to the script that are like. You need to beef up the conflict with this dad. Yeah. And you need to... Oh, you know, drugs need to make things worse for everybody because they always do in these movies. And I'm not saying they didn't in real life. I'm just saying that, like... It's a story that you've seen before. It's a story that's been told many times. But then there are other times where there's some different vision that sort of invades this movie where 
There are some scenes in this that are just full-blown musical scenes. Like, fantastic reality where Elton will start, like, floating and his audience will start floating. Oh, and weird. Yes, like, it, it, it is like kind of, scenes kind of fun. from a musical. And those scenes are actually pretty good. Those scenes are fun. I like those scenes. But the one thing I really want to highlight is Taron Edgerton is fucking amazing. Awesome. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, yeah, I in saw a, this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, within that framework of the tropes of the biopic, musical biopic, there's something there, you know, worth investigating, I think, and that's why I, I would recommend seeing it. You know, I'm the... I'm, one of those things there is him. And I'm one great. of the ones here that I, I'm the... I know I'm bad about always being like, well, so-and-so did a good impression, but did they give a good performance? And he does a great impression and then goes beyond and gives a great performance. The performance is, is better. I always point to Walk the Line when I talk about that because uh, Reese Witherspoon, who was fantastic in Walk the Line, apparently it's like not even trying to do an impression of Jim Carter Cash. Doesn't sound anything like her. Doesn't study anything for it. And it doesn't matter. I'd rather have the performance than the impression. Yes. Yeah. Edgerton looks and sounds like Elton John, too. And I've liked him in everything. Like, yeah. I know me and Chris liked uh, Eddie the Eagle, like a dumb movie that was fun and it was good and he was good in it. Yeah. And uh, he was great in the Kings of Movies. He's fucking entertaining as shit in those movies. He was not the problem with the second one. No. So even though Rocket Man has some, some flaws, some big flaws here and there, some like the same old shit that we've seen many times before. I still highly recommend it for that performance. It's up to 70 on Metacritic, which is high. So, yeah. That's cool. it. Finally. Well, I tried to look up for Breezy if we had I've any... Got, I've any, got one thing I want to mention. You want to do it right now? Between what I'm saying about Tony Shalhoub? <laughs> no, I want, I want your Tony Shalhoub first. Just Give us the Shalhoub report. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I was going to say... Is I wasn't... Shalhoub. I wasn't ignoring Brent. By looking on my phone feverishly for the past ten minutes, I was trying to find news about Tony Shalhoub, <laughs> and I could not. So, the, the, so the bit dies here. Tony Shalhoub, Miss Maisel, apparently. Sh- Shalhoub. Shalhoub watched 2019 continues. No news is good news here at the Shalhoub Report. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub is missing. Still alive and well. I just want to mention something real quick that yeah, I mentioned we, on a TV bias that uh, Stranger Things Season 3 is coming out uh, in a couple of weeks here on July 4th. Mm-hmm. And um, the last trailer came out, and I think it answered one thing I didn't really love about season two a little bit in that trailer, which was uh, why Billy is in the show. Billy is the older brother of Max, the new girl in the squad. Yeah. And uh, so the new trailer, they're like, we closed the gate, this should all be over. Yeah. And then Will finally says, like, what if we locked him here? Right. And uh, they're like, then you hear the voiceover of like, I need a host and it closes in on, zooms in on Billy's face and I was like, oh, they need somebody you hate so they can kill him in season three. Yeah. They need someone to be the bad guy. Yeah. So, cool. I was like, okay, they just planted that seed there for yeah. us. Um, but that's all I got for Bub 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 Breezy. Anybody got anything else? Mm-mm. What, what should we watch, TJ? Uh, we got a couple of movies to choose from. We skipped watch list and uh, what to watch last week, but uh, it, was it was a pretty Toy easy Story. weekend. To, yeah, because it was Toy Story and Child's Play, if you're my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but you got a couple of movies to pick from. One horror, one that I've been looking forward to for a long time from an Oscar-winning director. But you have uh, Annabelle 3 called Annabelle Comes Home is coming out this weekend. Not a fan of the franchise. I think I watched the first one. Is that Insidious? Is that in the same universe? I don't know. I get them. I, I mix them up. Uh, Ang Lee's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle 3. 
<laughs> the other one from an Oscar uh, nominated director, I should say. Well, maybe he won. Um, but Damon! Danny, yeah, I know, right? Uh, Danny Boyle's uh, 2019 musical fantasy is coming out yesterday. Uh, this weekend. Well, what's I'm, coming out this weekend? Yeah, my brain just broke. Annabelle's coming out on Wednesday. Right. Annabelle comes home? Annabelle comes home on Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> Make sure you're not at home on Wednesday. When does yesterday come out? Friday, yeah. after that. Wednesday. Okay. Who's on third? <laughs> we are recording it on Saturday, so that's still confusing, I understand. Yesterday is Friday, but yesterday it's going to be out Friday. on Friday. Thursday is going to be fun, because you can say yesterday comes out tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. I'm intrigued to see how, what... How this movie? Yeah, they sold me with, with Ed Sheeran as the music producer, telling him that like, no man, hey dude, stupid, it's got to be hey dude. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a dumb dumb idea for a song. Hey dude is where it's at. Are you sure? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, hey dude. Um. So I'm obviously gonna pick yesterday for me. Go see that. Yeah, me too. I've been sold since the previews. Yeah. Agree. I'm just a little bit behind on my Annabelle movies, so I guess I'll I guess I'll pick yesterday. And it's gonna stay that way, I bet. <laughs> it's Danny Boyle who does that movie? Yeah. Oh, I didn't Annabelle, know that. Annabelle I thought Friends. it was I thought it was the guy who did uh, the the Love Actually movies. He wrote it. Oh, he wrote it. Okay. Danny Boyle, Danny Boyle behind the Yeah, I think they saw the script and were like, Oh, this has a chance. So it's, it's funny they that they, in the trailers they're pushing Wolf. the Love Actually guy. What's his name? Uh, Richard something? Richard. It doesn't matter. Smear. He doesn't look. That's a weird last name. Uh, <laughs> Richard. Uh, Richard. We just know him. Richard, Richard Curtis. Richard Curtis. We, right. just, we just call the, him Ricky the, around the, here. The trailers are pushing, pushing Richard Curtis more than Danny Boyle, which is interesting. So, because people love. Yeah, because Danny Boyle's actually. movies didn't make a ton of money, but Richard Curtis's movies made a ton of money. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's Reason. it. Take that's, that's it. Go see yesterday. When? Later. Okay. <laughs> In the future. Uh, and uh, this is Talk to Talk. Uh, follow us on Facebook. You can uh, join our groups. TV by us. Movies by us. You power down. Yeah, you can, you can uh, see. Uh, <laughs> um, movies by us. Hello, mate. Email, tweet. Do all the things you can to get in touch with us and uh, subscribe. Give us a rating. Thank you to the Willow Walkers. Thank, thank you to Boo Reef. Thank you to Chris. Thank, thank you to TJ. And thanks, special guest Al. Thanks, Al. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town, slow folks, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.